Wow, man. We, um, it's such a privilege for us to be here with you guys, man, and uh, uh, love what God's doing this morning. Eh? Come on, isn't it amazing? I, I don't know what you're seeing, but I'm seeing something completely different from what we see in the natural. See, most of our mindset is we go to church. Let's, what are you doing Sunday morning? We're going to church. That's completely a lie. You can't go to church. You can be part of the church, but you, can't, but you can go to a venue where the church gathers because Jesus never died on the cross to set up venues across the planet. He died on the cross to give birth to the church where people are redeemed, born again, uh, and uh, put into a family of believers that are supposed to do something here. Not just to hang ten until we die and slip off the planet to spend eternity in heaven, but we are to carry on what God started through Jesus Christ. And He started actually, the blueprint was with Adam and Eve. Not Adam and Steve, by the way, but that's all another storm sermon. But with Adam and Eve, and, and the reality is that, that the devil has been trying to mess that up all the time, and Jesus came to restore it. The prophetic words all come and point towards us. But here we are, friends. Here we are. God wants to do something. And, um, and this morning, I, I was, my wife really is an atmosphere shifter, an atmosphere shifter. That's what we're called to do. How many of you know that? You can either live under the atmosphere you're in, or you can begin to bring another atmosphere from an unseen realm and change things around us. That's what we're called to do. And so there's a sensitivity to say, what's Holy Spirit doing? So I, I was so encouraged this morning because uh, Psalm 22 verse 3 says, God inhabits the praises of His people. Now, I mean, it's lovely that He pitches. It's not just that He pitches. That's not what he's doing. The, the actual words are God in, is enthroned. He brings his throne, his seat of government, when people begin to worship and praise him, and then his government begins to be established. It's quite different from just arriving. Come on, you come to church this morning, to, to this gathering, and you just arrive, your presence is here. That's different from bringing a government here. See, so when Jesus comes and enthrones the praises. He actually brings his government authority, his government power to establish heaven on earth through a bunch of people who are not singing songs, but who are praising him, who begin to declare his goodness. That's why I take so much faith. But if church is a place you go to, well then all of a sudden the way we filter church is quite different. I wonder is there good kids ministry? What's the coffee like? The, ush the ushers were very good. You guys did a great job out there. I like the banners. Parking's okay. It's a little farther walk, you know, but, but it's okay. It's a lovely place. <clears throat> you know, the, the AVs are right and, and they, you know, can you imagine? That's what people do. Too long, too short. Too hot, too cold. It's Goldilocks Christianity. You know, they're just trying to find the right little place. But actually, God's idea of the church was never to entertain people but to raise up a bunch of sons and daughters who are going to come in and usher the unseen realm in a very temporary seen world. That's really what we're about. And I, I want to say, friends, for us to understand the church, that's why church planting is, is such a violent act on the enemy. You know, a lot of the, the natural mindset is, does Stellenbosch really need another church? Well, friends, are the unsafe people in Stellenbosch? Is Stellenbosch completely aligned with heaven? Now then it needs churches that will align with heaven and they not bring a religious mindset or entertain the masses, but will bring about the government of God through sons and daughters who are going to partner with heaven. 
That's exactly why God wants us to be here. So worship isn't us singing a few songs. No, worship is us violently proclaiming God's goodness in the world to establish God's glory here. So it's got to come to us first. How many of you know that? That's important. So if you've got your Bible, won't you go to Galatians chapter 3? I just in a nutshell, that's what I was sharing at Malmesbury. Uh, so it's our second time to be with us in an amazing group called Kingdom Life Church and uh, to hang out and meet Henny last year. I think our lives have somewhere crossed. We've got mutual friends all over the planet and uh, mostly in, in South Africa. But uh, uh, the, the reality is, is we planted a church 13 years ago and you know when you plant a church you get all excited. It sounds so romantic like getting married, you know. And uh, it's like lovely. You know? It's like wow, you've got all these dreams. And then you forget there's a devil that really hates the church. Uh, a grace-hating spirit, an antichrist spirit, is not some uh, uh, institution somewhere in Europe. Uh, antichrist spirit is a spirit that hates the anointing. Loves religion, hates the anointing. Can I say that again? The antichrist spirit loves religion, hates the anointing. Because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Religion produces yokes. The anointing breaks yokes. It sets people free to be sons and daughters. And so we planted this church called the tribe 13 years ago on the west end of, of Joburg. We never picked it because I think Stellenbosch or the Cape would have been a much better choice. Because this is really, it looks a little different. All right. Um, west end's nothing like us. It's quite dry. Our mountains are, are ex-gold mine um, dumps. And if the wind blows wrong, I mean, it really is. It looks like Saudi Arabia. And... Um, but uh, anyway, I mean, we're there. You know why? Because God loves the nations. And so He puts us on the ground, and we said yes, because we were in love with Jesus. We still are. Uh, but the romance and the ideology gets smashed when you realize that church planting is violent. It's violent. It's a violent act against the enemy. And it's to usher in an unseen realm with a bunch of people that begin to realize who they are. They are sons and daughters. See, half the problem comes on when, when, when churches are, 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 the pressure is that there's a few people that must really entertain the masses. And that was never what Jesus intended when he was speaking about the church. Because he, he's the one who first mentioned church in the Bible. And I, I just want to quickly say this before I go to Galatians 3. Church is not a spiritual term. We've only known it as a spiritual term. That's how we've come to know it because when people speak church, they always think religion. They always think a temple, a building. Look at the churches in Europe. And they're all these incredible um, temples or the incredible places built in honor of God. But you go in there, there's no presence, there's no mandate, there's no effect. Church, when Jesus used it, was never around a building. It was around uh, this Roman mindset. It was, a, it was a Greek word called ecclesia, which was a, a, a governmental term. The Romans used to to go and capture places. So if the Romans came down from Rome to Stellenbosch and they gathered about 10 people who would then become uh, Roman citizens, they would give themselves to Rome and the Roman ideology, uh, then they would become the Ecclesia, the called out ones of Rome. And then they would come together as the Ecclesia to understand the will and the mindset of the Roman Empire to bring the government of Rome through those Ecclesia. That's really what the idea was. So when Jesus says, I will build my ecclesia, my church, what did he say? The gates of hell 
would not overpower it. There would be nothing that would withstand the ecclesia that I'm building because it comes from the unseen realm. It comes from a heavenly reality. And of the government of Jesus, there would be no end. Say no end. You see, so the church, friends, is not a dying thing. Maybe religion is dying, but not the church. Because Jesus said this in, in Isaiah 9, 6, that the government will be upon Jesus' shoulder, and of the increase of His government and peace, there would be no end. The increase and of His government and peace, there'd be no end. So you see, friends, if we begin to realize this, I'm part of something governmental. Say governmental. governmental. You see, it's not... We, friends, we're not looking for a, a natural government. We honor our governments. We honor the guys who are trying to do their best to steal our stuff. I mean, to, to govern our nation. All right, we really do. We honor them. But we're not around that thing. We're citizens, ambassadors from another realm. See, and if we begin to realize, actually, if I'm a citizen of heaven, and I'm part of the ecclesia, then there are mandates that my emperor, my king, sends me, and he says, this you must do. This is how you live in that place to bring that realm to this realm. See, so people will know religion anywhere. That's why I love what I'm seeing. See, the, 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 the context of the church is every tribe, tongue, nation. There's no elevation of agenda. There's no male dominance. Female. That doesn't happen in the kingdom. It happens in religion all over the world. Come on. But not, not in true heavenly religion. There's, there's, no, there's no, oh, well, the kids must be seen and not heard. No, the kids must be taught so that on their mouths they can learn the language of heaven so they can shape the nations around them. So I love to see the kids running around. You know why? Because they're learning to understand the language of the Spirit. Not a religious talk, but they, they're sensing something of God. And they begin to align themselves. And that's why for us it's so important that we renew our minds and not live with an old mindset. And just say, well, church is something I go to on Sunday if I've got time. And if the weather's not so, so, I mean, it's a crummy day, so church is a great option. I haven't been there for a while. Better go. I mean, can you imagine that mindset? God inhabits the praises of His people. He loves the church. And so, so I want to say, friends, for, for what you guys are about, there is an inheritance for you. It's not to steal from our brothers and sisters. We're not competing with anybody else. We're, really, we're, we're, a, we're a family of believers. So I, I said earlier, and this week, when people say, uh, what church are you part of? And you say, Kingdom Life Church. The very next question most of them say is this, how big is your church? Then you can say this, our church, we're about 1.2 billion people strong. That's how big our church is. We've got, we got buildings and people everywhere in China, India. They, our church is so big, but our little group of people, we're about 20. See, can you see? Just change the mindset. See, we think church is what I'm doing. Actually, church is what he's doing. And I come into what he's doing, part of his plan. That means I must change how I think. So that when I begin to praise him, then he inhabits, he brings his throne. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, whoa, God, you're bringing government here. You want things to change. And you know where it changes first? Where does it change first? Yeah. Lord, come. Be enthroned. 
Pentron, come and have your way. And all of a sudden, it's no longer we agree on something. No, you become Lord. And what you say goes. That's why whatever you want, I say yes to. And that's quite hard. Because we've got this idea that God really just wants to bless you. And we think blessing is He's going to give me what I want. <laughs> blessing is I get everything that He wants. So I can be a blessing. Because that's the gospel. To bless to be a blessing. It makes sense. So, so if you would get vision in your heart this morning and say, wow, God, what are you doing? Why would they, honestly, why would you want to do this? Put your head up and get slapped by this devil. You know, he tries to come and box you, discriminate you, and dishearten you, and discourage you, because that's really what it's like. And it's not just for, for Henny and Salome. Let me tell you, it's for every one of you. Every single day, the devil tries to come. But I want to tell you, that's why worship is not a Sunday three-song thing. Worship is a posture of the heart. You wake up in the morning, you say, God, you're so good. Thank you, Father God, for your government, Lord. Just, I'm an ambassador. I represent you. Thank you that I'm not alone. That's all I want. That's, that's the gist of my next 20 minutes is you're not alone. When Jesus said, when, when I go away, it's good that I go away. We would have said, no, it's bad. But Jesus said, it's good that I go. It's to your advantage that I leave. Because when I leave, I'm going to send you the Bible. Guys, it's going to be a phenomenal document. It's going to be printed the first time ever. It's the only book that will be firstly printed. Gutenberg, it's going to be phenomenal. It'll be the most best-selling book every year from that year on. No, he didn't say that, did he? He said, it's good that I go away. Because when I leave, I'll send you. I know, some of you, really? No, 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 no. I was just saying, that's not what it says. It says, I will send you the Spirit. I will give you Holy Spirit, a person, not a document, not policies and principles, but a person just like me who won't just be with you, but he'll be in you. So we really are genuine alien occupiers. Holy Spirit's living inside of us. Friends, just think about that. If you're born again, Holy Spirit lives inside of you. That's peculiar. Come on, the world's obsessed with supernatural paranormal. And yet the church, we, we, the, we the original paranormal. We the original supernatural. We the original unseen, manifest seen stuff. We are, but yet what happens is it's just become documented. Principle, learning. Stellenbosch is a high learning center. They don't need more knowledge. They need more revelation. They need more demonstration so that people's faith won't rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's what Paul says. Paul had, I mean, Paul would have been able to occupy any pulpit in any institution around the world. He was incredibly intelligent. But he said this, I come to you in fear and trembling. And you think, no, really, Paul, you, you're just making it up. It sounds like you're just hyping it up. No, he says, because when I come to you, I don't want your faith to rest in the wisdom of man but in the power of God. So I don't want you to think that this gospel is around your cleverness. It has to be around the power of God. You see, Stellenbosch doesn't need another learning institution or another, uh, it needs something of the demonstration of the power of God through sons and daughters who believe His work. So let's have a look at Ephesians chapter 3. That's what I said, Galatians. Thank you for listening. <clears throat> Just checking. Oh no, absolutely. We're going to read from verse 14. Actually, let's read from verse 13. Yet, Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. He absorbed it. I'm going to read from the Passion, by the way. He absorbed it completely as He became a curse in our place. For it is written, Everyone who is hung upon a tree is doubly cursed. Jesus, our Messiah, was cursed in our place, and in so doing, 
dissolve the curse from our lives so that all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out upon even non-Jewish believers. And now God gives us the promise of the wonderful Holy Spirit who lives within us when we believe in Him. Isn't that amazing? That's the promise. Friends, I don't know about what we sometimes think, oh, if God can just give me a job, if He can just give me a bursary, if He can just help me. Friends, that is so natural, so carnal. He's given us a Holy Spirit promise. A person Himself to come and live inside of us. I don't know about you, that's exciting. That means every day that I get up, I don't have to go to church, I am part of the church. I'm a living stone built together with a bunch of other believers growing up into the fullness of His stature. So that means tomorrow morning when I get up, Lord, what do you want to do through me? What government do you want to bring? How do I bring heaven to earth? You see, then my prayer changes. Not, Lord, would you give me another job? See, that's just, Lord, would you get me out of this place? And God says, I'm trying to get you into that place. <laughs> because I want my kingdom to come. And the gates of hell cannot prevail. We should just pray differently. Oh God, would you break through? Holy Spirit, would you... Would you what prophetic word? How do I intercede? So my prayers won't be, oh poor me, my prayers are, Lord your glory come. Lord your glory come. Lord your glory, give me boldness to be a witness. Lord, give me courage. Give me the ability to shine your light wherever I am. You know why? Because you've given me Holy Spirit. See, most of our background training is this, Holy Spirit comes and goes, depends on your behavior. Yes or no? Come on. Come on. Somehow, if you've had a bad week, Holy Spirit has drifted off into some rafter, offended, <laughs> waiting for us to become so still that He'll come back. Friends, that is some of the life. And, and you know what happens in that? When you mess up, you honestly don't feel qualified. Because most of us are feeling we can be used based on our performance. Actually, the gospel, the good gospel says this, that when you were ungodly, unsaved and you came to know Jesus he gave you a gift a promise called Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit comes upon you you know why because from the day you receive Jesus is the day you become righteous never to become more righteous from that day on you are eternally perfectly righteous because it's a gift given to you that's why Holy Spirit can come you see if it was based on the law then you're living under a curse and only if you do good can you get good that's why he's talking about this. He says, actually, you've been free from the curse. You know why? Because Jesus died as you and for you on a cross to redeem you from the curse of the law. Because you can't keep the law. So that you can get the promise of the Spirit. Why? Because he declared you righteous. So you become a dwelling place of God on the earth. You and I are dwelling places of God on the earth. And when he comes, take a guess what he wants to bring? His government. He wants to bring his government and of his government there'll be no end it'll just increase and increase so so most people when they come into a new church they want to see where can I control what can I do instead of who am I I'm a son see some of what Jen was saying is 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 there's such an orphanage even with believers that they're looking for the best orphanage in town that offers the best goodies instead of being sons and daughters who are going to rise up in faith to release heaven on earth. They can honestly get together with other strong, powerful sons and daughters to say, what's our mandate? Verse 16, beloved friends, let me use an illustration that we can understand. 
technically, when a contract is signed, it can be changed after it has been put into effect. It can't be changed after it has been put into effect. It's too late to alter the agreement. Recently, we, we extended our bond at our house. And you know the bank, they, they kind of send you documents like this. You're never going to read it. But I just said to the lawyer, the gist is this. If we don't pay, we're in trouble. Hey? He says, absolutely. So it doesn't matter how much you can read all of that. I, I said, so I suppose if I scratch out some things and I'm not happy with that, he says, you won't get the money. So really what they're saying is, sign it, you get the money. No sign, no money. That's really what it is. You can't come and change it afterwards. Yeah, but I don't like this contract. It's in place. Okay, so just that picture. So he says, it can't be uh, changed after it's been put into effect. It's too late to alter the agreement. Remember, the royal proclamation, God spoke over Abraham, ooh, Abraham, over Abraham and Abraham's child. God said that his promises were made to pass on to Abraham's child, not children. And who is this child? It's the son of promise, Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah. That was the promise made to Abraham, to his seed, Jesus. Verse 17 and 18. This means that the covenant between God and Abraham was fulfilled in the Messiah and cannot be altered. Yet the written law was not given till Moses uh, until 430 years later after God had signed the contract with Abraham. The law then doesn't supersede the promise since the royal proclamation was given before the law. If that were the case, it would have nullified what God said to Abraham. We receive all the promises because of the promised one, not because we keep the law. How do you receive Holy Spirit? By faith. Faith in what Jesus has done. See, not, not by works. Works is if I really do good. I think why many Christians don't have power over sin is because they're still trying to overcome sin in their own strength. Forgetting that Jesus has already overcome sin. He conquered the devil on the cross. He disarmed him of all principalities, every power. He stripped him of all of his authority. And they went down and then embarrassed him in hell. And then the whole train captive into heaven. And he says this, you can overcome sin. Not because you can do it, but because I've done it. And I want to empower you to do it. See, we still somehow want to live with a law kind of mindset. Look, I can do it. Look at me. Look at what I did. I'm not a sinner anymore. That's religion. Covenant is, look what you've done. Wow, and then I begin to walk in the Spirit on a daily basis. It's not, it's, not, it's not based on performance. It's based on faith. See, all of this, this Holy Spirit power is based on faith. Because if you got born again, if you received Jesus, then I want to tell you, Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He doesn't come and go. He's not, he's not insecure. He's, he's not offended. He's not a little, you know, like, um, you know, if you do say the wrong thing, he turns his back in. No, he's not. He's God. In spirit form. He's like Jesus. Jesus was absolutely a beautiful picture of what the Father looked like. So Holy Spirit inside of you looks like Jesus. And Jesus looks like God. Come on. I don't know about you. I need Jesus. Yeah, that's easy to say. I need Holy Spirit. <laughs> you see, but my background has got to actually, wait a second. I've been given Holy Spirit because it's a promise. It's a promise. It's a promise. It's a promise. So I thank you, Holy Spirit. You see, this morning when we were worshiping, and as Jen was saying, she began to felt, feel something. Actually, what's Holy Spirit doing? What's He doing? Well, let's tap into that. Not what's the program. No, what's He doing? And then all of a sudden it felt like, I mean, I don't know about you, I think we, we're not even 20 people this morning. It didn't feel like 20 people were singing. It felt, it felt full. How many of you? Why? Angels are joining in. Because angels are saying, 
Yes, they've got it! <laughs> I'm telling you. Do you think we're alone? We're not alone. Background music. I'm telling you, friends. The early church, the early Acts church, they just, they walked with power. Angels were ministering. Holy Spirit was leading. There was such power. And then what happens is we want to trade it for some document. We want to trade it for some natural power, natural learning, natural wisdom. And we wonder why we have no power. Stellenbosch doesn't need another natural wisdom. It needs power. And that's going to take faith. So when Henny steps out and he says, uh, you know, somebody got a sore foot, we think, oh, really? Are you honestly? Yeah. You know why? He's practicing to bring the unseen realm into the scene. It's something we all should be practicing every day, everywhere. So why was the law given? Verse 19. It was meant to be an intermediary, temporary agreement added after God gave the promise of the coming one. It was given to show how men, uh, to show men how guilty they are and it remained in force until the seed was born to fulfill the promise given to Abraham. When God gave the law, He didn't give it to them directly for He gave it first to angels and then He gave it to Moses, his, his mediator, who then gave it to the people. Now, a mediator does not represent just one party alone, but God fulfilled it all by Himself. So can you see the, the law had a whole lot of mechanics mechanics involved God gave the promise by himself he, that's why Abraham was actually sleeping when he was cutting covenants because uh, Abraham thanks for doing your little part I just needed a little body prepared it's prophetically about Jesus but I'm already putting something in place that's eternal come on so that's why to, to look at the law to try and think the law is going to help you friends is, is the, Hebrews says it's weak and useless okay, I'm, I'm not getting into that so, verse 21 since that's true. Should we consider the written law to be contrary to the promise of new life? How absurd, truly. If there was a law that could keep, which would keep us, uh, or give us new life, then our salvation would have come by law keeping. But the scriptures make it clear that since we are all under the power of sin, we needed Jesus. And He's the Savior who brings the promise to those who believe. What is the promise? Holy Spirit is the promise. Friends, I want to tell you, I don't, Lord, thank you for the job. That's so natural. That's so temporary. Thank you for Holy Spirit. You know what Holy Spirit brings? Fullness. Holy Spirit always connects me to the fullness of who God is. That's why this morning in our worship, I know about you, my faith grows for it can happen here. How many of you came in here with lots of vision? You were worshiping and then in connecting with God, you shrunk your vision. Oh, Lord, you're right. Maybe we shouldn't trust God for more souls. No, no. It's like you maybe come in this morning. Wow, we are the people. And, you know, she and we worship God. And all of a sudden, wow, wow, wow. And we look around. We see, well, these aren't empty chairs. They're just, they're just seats that are keeping, um, uh, yeah, for people who are going to get saved, who, whose moms are going to get saved. We're going to invite people who are going to, not from other churches because we got a better program. No, but unsaved people, we're going to invite them, we're going to demonstrate God's power to them, we're going to love on them, and they're going to feel, oh, ooh, this is eerie. Why? Because there's an unseen realm that we are co-working with. So, you and I, almost done. Um, am I almost done? Let me, let me read this, and then I'll come back to that. So, just remind me. Okay, so, so now, until verse 23, until the revelation of faith for salvation was released, the law was a jailer holding us as prisoners under lock and key until the faith 
which was this destined to be revealed, would set us free. The law becomes a gateway to lead us to the Messiah so that we would be saved by faith. But when faith comes, the law is no longer in force since we have already entered into life. You have all become true children of God by faith in Jesus, the Anointed One. It was faith that immersed you into Jesus, the Anointed One, and now you are covered and clothed with His anointing. You are no longer, and we no longer see each other in our former state, Jew or non-Jew, rich or poor, male or female, because we are all one through our union with Jesus, with no distinction between us. And since you've been united to Jesus the Messiah, you are now Abraham's child and inherit all the promises of the kingdom realm. Wow, can I say that again? Because you've now been united to Jesus the Messiah, you are now Abraham's child and inherit all the promises of the kingdom realm. What have you received? What have you received? Why? Because you, Abraham's seed. You're in Christ. You remember when you got saved, you received Christ. The Bible says you were co-crucified. You, you, you died. You co-crucified with Christ. Then you were co-buried with Christ. Then you were co-raised with Christ. Then you were co-seated with Christ. Then you were co-inherit with Christ. And now you are co-labor with Christ. You see, if we forget that, you know what happens? We just come to church. Yeah. Any, what are we doing next week? Oh no, oh, there's some lack of stuff happening in town. Great worship guys coming through. We're just going to go there. Sit in the hey, lack of music, my favorite band. No idea of the church. No idea of government. No idea of why we exist. Just entertained. He waits on God. Holy Spirit comes and shares a word. We've had this before, preach my heart out, preach my heart, and God comes up afterwards and says, have you listened to that um, podcast by that preacher in America? I'm like, no, actually, I was just trying to wait on God for our church. I mean, it, how do I compete? How do I compete? See, that's because there's a whole bunch of people who are trying to get entertained, and they're measuring their best entertainment with what you've got to deliver. Completely, completely unaware of why we exist. The church exists to bring heaven to earth, to bring the government of God to earth. That means we've got to learn how to shift some atmospheres. And it's not other people's atmospheres because we always want to pray, Lord, change the government, change the atmosphere. How about changing the atmosphere here? Father God, I thank you for your glory. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your power. Thank you, Father God, for, you, for who you are, what you're doing. Thank you for, for life, Lord. Thank you that there's no division in your body. Thank you, Father God, for your power and your glory for us. Thank you, Lord, that we're not earning your, your, your gifts. We're not trying to earn an inheritance. It's a gift. Lord, I get given an inheritance. Everything you promised to Abraham, I can claim because I'm in Christ. Lord, I'm blessed to be a blessing. I don't start off with lack. I start out in fullness. So can I close with this? The early church started in fullness. Come on, Adam and Eve started in fullness. They didn't arrive and there was nothing and they had to work and, you know, are you okay with this God? He came and inspected. No, God put everything in place. Everything needed to fulfill the mandate, it was in place. And he puts Adam and Eve into that space. And he says, now, go and do everything I've asked you to do from fullness. Yeah. Yeah, the old, the, old man's, the, the old mindset was this, when their temple and, it, and the God was in there and the God came in, the, 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 the thinking would be this, that their God rested in the temple. You know what that means? His fullness, their little God's fullness came to their temple. 
So you know how awkward it was when other nations came and robbed the nations of Israel and didn't find a God in their temple. There was nobody. Why? Because He is everywhere. And then they, they bring their little manufactured stuff or they bring the ark back and put it in their temple and their God falls off. I mean, that's quite, that's quite frightening. That this little box that isn't a God but it carries something causes their God to fall off. So He, he doesn't have that much fullness. But this box is frightening. And so the box was like amazing old covenant. Wow. The, I couldn't even look in it. It died. I mean, it caused all kinds of chaos. It was where God chose to manifest. There is no box anymore. There's just living temples. You and I are the new covenant box. We are the ones that God says, I'm going to come and rest in you. And my glory will be upon you. And it will be an increasing glory, not a diminishing glory. Isn't that exciting? Friends, isn't that exciting for what God has got for you as a church? When you look at this thing, and again, it's not competition, friends. It's just, man, what have you got? What's our inheritance as KLC, Stellenbosch? What has God got for us? And there are a bunch of students who do not need another mindset of information. They need a demonstration of God's power. They need to know that there is a God who's unseen who comes into us. Isn't that amazing? And everybody who's born again qualifies to be involved in that. Because that's our other lie, which I want to just bust. I don't know enough. I haven't been trained enough. I'm too young. I'm too old. <laughs> Come on. If you're in, God says, I'm going to fill my, you with my spirit. I'm going to give you power to be a witness. That's early church. They didn't have documents. They just had encounter with God. And it wasn't a one-off, friends. That fullness was how the church, I think it was a pattern of how the church should live, from fullness. So actually today, we should be leaving here full. Tomorrow morning, full. By the end of the day, maybe you've leaked out. That's okay. Don't worry. You're a broken vessel. That's amazing. And, but then it's not like, oh, I've got nothing. Lord, would you just fill me up? New morning, new mercy, new fullness. Why? Because you're coming from a full realm, a full realm, a full realm. No lack. No loss. No fear in that realm. There's just faithfulness and love. How do I manifest that here? Can I pray for you? Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I want to thank you this morning. Lord, what a privilege and joy to be here.